Ashley Brock, reading Diana Palmer's book, Night Moves, Chapter 10. Maggie considered it ironic that she just began to become accustomed to living alone, and she was no longer living alone. Cliff made the transition obtrusively, no fuss, no bother, first rather than subtle sense of organization seemed to be part of his makeup. She always respected organized people from a safe distance. He left early each morning, long before she considered it decent for a person to be out of his bed. He was quite inefficient and never woke her. Occasionally, when she groped her way downstairs later in the morning, she'd find a scrambled note next to the coffee pot. Phone was off the hook again. It might say, or milk slow, I'll pick some up. Not exactly love letters, Maggie thought wryly. A man like Cliff would put his feelings down on paper the way she was compelled to. It was just one more area of opposition between them. In any case, Maggie wasn't certain Cliff had any feelings about her other than impatience and an occasionally bout of intolerance. Though there were times she suspected she touched some of his softer edges. He didn't act much like a lover. He brought her no flowers, but she remembered he planted a willow tree. He gave her no smooth, clever faces, but she remembered the look she'd sometimes catch in his eyes. He wasn't a poet. He was a romantic. Well, that look, that one long, intense look, said more than most women ever heard. Perhaps, despite both of them, she was beginning to understand him. The more she understood, the more difficult it became to control a steadily growing love. Was it a man whose emotions could be pushed or channeled? She was a woman who, once her feelings were touched, ran with them in whatever direction they went. Though she lived in the house outside of Morganville for only one, Maggie, under Maggie understood a few basics of small town life. Whatever she did became common knowledge almost before she'd done it. Whatever it was she did would draw a variety of opinions that would lead to a general consensus. There were a few key people whose opinion could sway the consensus. Cliff, she knew, was one of them. He chose to bother. Stan Age and the postmistress were others. It did take her long to discover that Bog was another whose opinion was sought and carefully weighed. The politics in Morganville might have been on a smaller scale than those in Southern California's music industry, but Maggie saw that they ran in the same vein. In L.A., however, she'd been second-generation royalty, while here she was an outsider. An outsider, she knew, whose notoriety could be either scored or accepted. To date, she'd been fortunate because most of the key people had decided to accept. Thinking of small, close-knit town, she realized she'd taken a chance on the acceptance by living with Cliff. Not living with Maggie, correct. She's been... A, spread adhesively on her newly stripped bathroom floor. He wasn't living with her. He was staying with her. There was a world of difference between the two. He hadn't moved in, bag and baggage, nor had there been any decision about the length of his stay. He was, she decided, a bit like having a guest whom you didn't feel obligated to entertain or impress unnecessarily. And through and through his own choice, he opted to be her bodyguard, and at night, when the sun went down and the woods were quiet, her body was his. He accepted her passion, her hungers, and desires. Perhaps, just perhaps, one day, he might accept her emotions, which raged just as hot and just as high. First, he had to come to understanding her as she was beginning to understand him. Without that, and the respect that went with it, emotions and desires would weather and die. Maggie set the new square of tile into position and set back to judge the outcome. 
The stone pattern, ceramic, was rustic and would leave her free to use an infinite range of color combinations. She wanted nothing in her home to be too restricted or regimented, just as she wanted to do most of the changes and improvements herself. Looking at the six pieces of tile she installed, Maggie nodded. She was becoming quite handy these days, though her pansies had never recovered. They were her only major failure. Pleased and ready for more, Maggie debated whether to mix up another batch of adhesive or to start the next wall of paper in her bedroom. There was only a wall and a half left to cover, she remembered. Then it would be time to make a decision on curtains. Priscilla's cafes, cap cods, nothing momentum. Monumental, most people would say, she mused, but then she'd always left such things up to decorators before. Now, if something didn't work, she had no one to blame but herself. With a laugh, she reached into the box of tiles again, swearing half-heartedly as she scraped her finger against the sharp edge. The price of being your own handyman, Maggie decided, going to the sink to run water over the cut. Maybe it was time to turn in the tiles for wallpaper and paste. When the dog began to bark, she knew that either project have to wait. Resigned, she turned off the tap. Just as the sound of a car reached her, going to the tiny glass window, she watched Lieutenant Riker pulled around the last curve. Why was he back? She wondered, frowning. There couldn't possibly be any more information she could give him. When he didn't approach the house immediately, Maggie stayed where she was. He walked along the path of the Slackstone. Cliff's crew had just had set just that week. When he reached the end, he didn't turn toward the porch, but looked out over the gully. Slowly, he drew out a cigarette, then lit it with a shorter wooden match. For several moments, he just stood there, smoking and washing the dirt and rocks as if they had the answers he wanted. Then, before she could react, he turned and looked directly up at the window where she stood. Feeling like an idiot, she stared down, started down to meet him. Lieutenant, Maggie went cautiously down the porch steps onto the sturdy new Blackstone. Miss Fitzgerald, he flipped the cigarette stub into the Tango brush near the gully. Your place is coming along. Hard to believe what it looked like a few weeks ago. Thank you. It looked so harmless and pleasant. She wondered if he carried a gun in a shoulder holster under his jacket. No shoe. Planted a willow over there. But it looked at her not at the gully. Should be much longer before you can have your pawn put in. Like Riker, Maggie didn't look too toward the gully. Is that does that mean the investigation's almost over? Marky scratched along the side of the room. I don't know if I'd say that. We're working on it. She bit back aside. Are you going to search the gully again? I don't think it's going to come to that. We've been through it twice now. Thing is, stop shifting his weight, sees his hip. I don't like loose ends. The more we look into this thing, the more we find. It's hard to tie up ends that have been dangling for ten years. Was well, this a social car or an official one? She wondered, trying not to be annoyed. Maggie could remember how embarrassed he'd been when he asked for an autograph, but at the moment she didn't need a fan. Lieutenant, is there something I can do? I wondered if you have anyone coming around, someone you know, maybe someone you don't know. Coming around? The murder happened here, Mrs. Fitzgerald, and the more we dig, the more people we find who had reasons to kill Morgan. A lot of them still live in town. She folded her arms in her wrist. If you're trying to make me uneasy, Lieutenant, you're doing a good job. I don't want to do that, but I don't want to keep you in the dark either. He hesitated and decided to go with his instincts. We discovered that Morgan withdrew $25,000 cash from his bank account on the day he disappeared. His car was found. Now his body's been found, but the money's never showed up. 25000 
many Maggie murmured a tidy sum even tidier than ten tidier ten years ago. You're telling me you think the money was the motive for murder. Money's always a motive for murder and it's a loose end. We're checking a lot of people out, but it takes time. So far nobody around here's ever flashed that kind of money. He started to reach for another cigarette, then apparently changed one. I've got a couple of theories. <laughs> she might have smiled if her head wasn't beginning to ache. Are you like and you'd like to tell me? Whoever killed Morgan was smart enough to cover his tracks. He might have been smart enough to know that coming up with $25,000 wouldn't go unnoticed in a town like this. Maybe, just maybe, he panicked and got rid of the money. Or maybe he hid it so he could wait a good long term time until any rumors about Morgan had died down. Then it'd just be waiting for him. Ten years is a very long time, Lieutenant. Some people's more impatient than others. He <laughs> shrugged. It's just a theory. But it made her think. The attic and the trunk. Hamper. The other night, she handed in stop. Something happened the other night, he prompted. It was foolish not to tell him to feel as though if she did, she would be forging another link in the chain that bound her to everything that had happened. He was, after all, in charge of the investigation. Well, it seems someone broke in and took something out of the trunk in the attic. I didn't realize it until days later that I reported it to Sharkeji. That was the thing to do. His gaze lifted to the door. Dorm or window. He come up with anything? Not really. He did find a key that is his wife found one somewhere. He came back and opened the trunk, but it was empty. Would you mind if I have a look myself? She wanted it over. Yet yeah, it seemed every step she took brought her in deeper. No, I don't mind. Resigned Maggie, turned to lead him in his house. It seems odd that anyone would hide money in the attic, then wait until someone was living here to claim it. We bought the place almost as soon as the sign was posted, Bracket reminded. But it was nearly a month before I moved in. I heard Mrs. A.G. kept quiet about the sale. Her husband didn't like the idea. You hear a lot of things, Lieutenant. He heard a slow, half-embarrassed smile. He'd given her when he asked for her, I'm supposed to. Maggie lapsed into silence till they reached the second floor. The attic's up here. For what it's worth, I haven't found anything missing in the house. How'd they get in, he asked as he began to climb the steeper, more narrow stairways. I don't know, she moment. I wasn't locking my door. But you are now. He looked back over so Yes, I'm locking them. Good. He went directly to the trunk and crouched down, studied the lock. The handprint had faded back to dust. You say Mrs. A.G. had the key. Yes, or one of them. Seems this truck belonged to the last people who rented the house. An old couple. The woman left it here after her husband died. Apparently, they were at least two keys, but Joyce could only find one of them. Hmm. Ryker opened the now unlocked trunk and peered inside, much as he peered, per, peered into the gully, and it Maggie thought was just as empty now. Lieutenant, you don't really think there's a connection between this and what you're investigating. I don't like coincidences, you muttered Ryker in close earlier saying, See the sheriff's looking into it? Yes. I'll talk to him before I head back. 25,000 doesn't take up much room, he said. It's a big trunk. I don't understand why anyone would let it sit in one for ten years. People were funny. He straightened the grunting a little. Of course, it's just a theory. Another is that Morgan's mistress took the money and ran. His mistress? Maggie repeated when Alice Delaney. Gregor said she's been having a affair with Morgan for five or six years. Funny how people talk once you get them started. Delaney? Maggie said it quietly. Open she heard him. That's right. As a matter of fact, it's her son who's been... Doing your landscaping. Coincidences, he repeated. This business is full of them. 
Somehow, she managed to remain composed as they walked back downstairs. She spoke politely when he told her again how much he admired her music. Maybe she even smiled when she closed the door on him. When she was alone, Maggie felt her blood turn to ice. Cliff's mother had been Morgan's mistress for years. Then she disappeared right after his death. Cliff would have known. Everyone would have known. She thought and covered her face with both hands. What did she fall into, and how would she ever get out again? Maybe he was going crazy. But Cliff was beginning to think the long, winding drive up the hill was going home. He never had believed he could consider the old Morgan place as home, not with the way he always felt about William Morgan, nor would he have believed the woman who lived there could make him think that way. It seemed a great deal was happening that he could neither stop nor harness, yet staying with Maggie had been his own choice, just as leaving again would be when he was ready. From time to time, he found he needed to remind himself that he could and would leave again. Yet when she laughed, the house was so warm. When she was angry, it was so full of energy. When she sang, when she worked in the music room in the evening, Cliff thought, when the woods were quiet, before the moon had risen, she'd play. She'd sing snatches of words, sentences, phrases, as she composed. Long before she finished, he'd find himself in a frenzied need. He wondered how she'd work hour after hour, day after day, with such passion and feeling driving her. <laughs> It was the discipline, she Cliff decided. He'd never expected her to be so disciplined about her music. The talent he admired all along, but in the few days he lived with her, he learned that she drove herself hard in the hours she worked. A contrast, Cliff decided. It was an impossible contrast to the woman who jumped sporadically from one project to another in that big, dusty house. She left walls half-papered, ceilings half-painted, there were crates and boxes everywhere, most of which hadn't been touched. Rows of supplies were tucked into every corner. He'd say her work on the house was pre precise, even creative, to the point where she'd leave off for something new. She'd leave off for something new. She wasn't like anyone he'd ever known. And he realized that somewhere along the way, he began to understand her. It had been easier when he could dismiss her as, as a spoiled Hollywood princess who bought a Duplicate county, country house on a whim were for political stunts. He knew now that she bought the house for no other reason than she loved it. Perhaps she was a bit spoiled. She tended to give others orders a little too casually. When she didn't get her own way, she tended to bristle or freeze up. Cliff grinned. The same could be said to himself, he admitted. Give Maggie her due. She hadn't run from the trouble or unpleasantness that began so shortly after she moved in. If he'd seen another woman stick as Maggie was sticking, he'd have said she'd indeed taken root. Cliff still had his doubts. Perhaps he fostered them purposely, because if he believed Maggie Fitzgerald would stay in Morganville, he might have to admit he wanted her to. He might have to admit that coming home every night to a woman who made him laugh and fume and throb wasn't something he'd give up without a fight. He drove the last few yards and stopped at the edge of the drive. The flowers was blooming on the bank. The new grass was like a green shadow over the soil. Maggie's petunias were a splash of color. They both put part of themselves into the land already, he realized. Perhaps that in itself was a bond that would be, would be difficult to break. Even as he stepped out of the truck, he wanted her just the same. Just the softness of her. There was nothing he could do to change it. There was no music. Cliff frowned as he slowly climbed the front. Maggie was always at her piano at this time of day. There were times he'd come back early, work on the yard himself. He'd known it was five o'clock because that's when the music would begin. And it would continue for no less than an hour. Often later, longer, Cliff looked at his watch. 5.35 p.m. 
uneasy. Turned the knob on the front door. Of course, it was unlocked. He's not annoyed. He left her a note that morning telling her none of his crew would be there the day and to keep the doors locked. Senseless woman. He thought as he shut the door open. Why couldn't she get it through her head that she was completely isolated here? Too many things had happened. Simply by living in this house, she was in the center of a quiet, too damn quiet. Cliff realized as annoyance began to fade into anxiety. The dog wasn't barking. The house had the had that echoing, empty feeling. Almost everyone could sense mechanics playing. Though instinct told him no one was there, he began to grow from room to room, calling her. Her name bounced back off the walls in his own voice and taunted him. Where the hell was she? Cliff demanded as he took the stairs two to the top, checked the second floor. He didn't like to admit that he could feel panic at nothing more than coming home to an empty house, but panic was exactly what he felt. Every day that week, he'd been sure he had a crew, or a part of one, working outside until he'd been there. He'd had one in her left alone, but because he couldn't explain it, Cliff had broken the ritual that day, and now he couldn't find her. Maggie? Desperately, he searched the second floor, not even certain what he expected or wanted to find. He never experienced this kind of raw, basic fear. He only knew the house was empty, empty, and his woman was gone. A pair of her shoes sat carelessly in the center of the bedroom room. A blouse was tossed neglectedly over a chair. The earrings he'd watched her take off the night before still lay on the dresser beside a silver-backed, brushed, engraved where, with her mother's initials. The room held her scent always did. When he saw the new tiles in the bathroom, tried to calm himself. He helped her skelter away. She started a new project. But where in the hell? Then in the bowl of the sink, he saw something that stopped his heart. Against a pristine white porcelain with three drops of blood. He stared while, while panic swirled through him, making his head swim and his skin ice. From somewhere outside, the dog began to bark. Frankly, Cliff was racing down the steps, not even aware that he called her name again and again. He saw her as soon as he burst through the back door. She was coming slowly through the woods to the east, the dog dancing around her legs, leaping and nipping. She had her hands in her pockets, her head down. His mind took in every detail, while the combination of fear and relief made his legs weak. He ran toward her, seeing her head lift as he called her again. Then he had her in his arms, holding tight, closing his eyes, just filling her, warm and whole and safe. He was too overcome with emotion that had no president to notice that she stood stiff and unyielding against him. He buried his face in the soft picture of her. Maggie, where have you been? This was the man she thought she was beginning to understand. This was the man she was beginning to love. Maggie stared straight ahead over her shoulder to the house again. I went for a walk. Alone? They demanded irritated. You went out alone? Everything turned cold. Her scanner made her eye. It's my land, Cliff. Why shouldn't I go out alone? Caught himself before he could rage that she shouldn't. Should have left him to know what was happening to him. There was blood in the sink upstairs. I cut my finger on a tile. Found her. He found he wanted to rage at her for that. She had no business hurting herself. You're usually playing this time of day. I'm not locked into a routine any more than I'm locked into the house. You want a placid little female who's waiting to fall at your feet every night. When you come home, you better look somewhere else. Leaving him staring, she broke away and went into the house. Calmer, but more confused, Cliff went in the kitchen to see her pour a drink. Scotch, he noted another first. With his mind a bit clearer, he could see that a normal color was absent from her cheeks, and her shoulders were stiff with tension. This time he didn't go to her. What happened? Maggie swirled the scotch once before she swallowed. Found it too warm, too strong, but she said, I don't know what you mean. 
The kitchen was too small. Maggie took the glass and went out. The air was warm and soft. Outside, there were no walls or ceilings to make her feel closed in. Circling around, she sat down on the spread of new grass. She sat here in the summer. Maggie thought and read. Byron, if that was her mood, she let the sun fall over her. The silence cloak her and read until she slept. Maggie continued to look out over the woods and the shadows. Maggie, what's wrong with you? I'm having a mood, she said flatly. You expected spoiled celebrities to have moods, wouldn't you? Keeping his temper in check, Cliff sat down beside her and took her chin in his hand and waited until her eyes met him. What she'd known, she'd have to tell him. It was not knowing what they would be afterward. They left her inside. Lieutenant Riker was here today. She began to carefully remove Cliff's hand from her face. Cliff swore, cursing himself for leaving him. What do you want? Maggie shrugged and sipped at the scotch hand. He's a man who doesn't like loose ends. Apparently, he's been finding quite a number. Seems William Morgan withdrew $25,000 from his bank account on the day he was born. 25000 He sounded surprised. Maggie noted, genuinely surprised. She recognized his expression. That thoughtful, narrow-eyed look that man. he was considering all the details and angles. How could she be certain of anything any longer? The money was never recovered. One of Wrecker's theories is that the murderer hid away, patiently waiting until people forgot about Morgan. Cliff's eye sharpened, automatically turned his head and looked back to them. Here? Possibly. Ten years is a damn long time to sit on 25,000. Cliff muttered, so he didn't care for loose ends either. Did you tell him about the trunk in the attic? Yes, he had to look at it himself. He touched her just his fingertips so lightly that the touch offered whatever support she might want. Is upset you. Maggie said nothing, nor did she look at him. She should begin to work at his own muscle. There's more? There's always more. Maggie said quietly, and now she looked at him. She had to. He mentioned that Morgan's mistress had disappeared right after his death. She felt Cliff's fingers tight convulsively on her shoulder just as he felt the waves of anger. She wasn't his mistress. Cliff said tightly, My mother. Might have been foolish enough to fall in love with a man like Morgan. She might have been unwise enough to sleep with him, but she wasn't his mistress. Why didn't you tell me before, Maggie demanded? Why did you wait till I found out this way? It doesn't have anything to do with you. What was anything that's happening here? This restless anger swarmed in and rose. Coincidences? Maggie said quietly, but Cliff turned to stay down on her. Weren't you the one who said not to trust coincidences? He was trapped. When old anger and my pair of deep deepless brown eyes. Again he found himself compelled to explain what he never explained before. My mother was lonely and very vulnerable after my father died. Morgan knew how to exploit that. I was living outside of DC at the time. If I'd been here, I might have stopped it. Resentment <laughs> held up and it was control. He knew how to play on weaknesses and he played on my mother's. When I found out they were lovers, I wanted to kill him. He said it as he had once before. Coldly, calmly, Maggie slowed on drive. She was already too involved for anything to be. She was already too involved for anything to be done. Deluded into believing she loved him, or maybe she did love him. Other intelligent women had. She'd been friends with L'Oreal for years, but that didn't matter. When they found his car in the river, she snapped. It was painful to look back on it, but Maggie's sullen brown eyes insisted he go on. She didn't disappear. She came to me. She was frank to him for the first time since she'd become involved with Morgan. She was seeing clearly. 
again, shame affects different people in different ways. My mother broke all ties with Morganville and everyone in it. She knew her relationship with Morgan wasn't a secret, and now that it was over, she simply couldn't face the gossip. She's, she's still in D.C. She has a new life, and I don't want any of this to touch her. Was he always so unflaggingly protective of the woman in his life? Maggie wondered, Joyce, his mother, or she wondered... Cliff, I understand how you feel. My mother was one of the most precious people in my life. Where there might not be anything you can do about it. We're reconstructing what happened ten years ago. Your mother has a part in it. That wasn't all she was thinking. Cliff realized deliberately he sat down beside her, struggling to keep the tension from his fingers. When he took her shoulders. You wonder how much the part I might have in it. No, sure to stand but It's possible that I I could have shot Morgan in a destructive relationship with my mother. You hated him. Yes. His eyes never left. There is. They look deep, searching. Logic might implicate him. His own temperament might have been suspect. Maggie stared into the smoky gray of his eyes and believed her. No. She remembered troubling against him. No. I understand you too well. Her faith, the warm flood of it almost destroyed him. Do you? Maybe too well. She remembered. I was so frightened before. Closing her eyes, she drew on a familiar scent of him. He was real. He was solid. For as long as she could hold on, he was hers. Not now. Not now that you're here. He could feel the pull. That so gentle pull. He wasn't careful. He seemed to forget everything. There wasn't anything or anyone but her. And he's like, Maggie, his fingers were already tingling. You shouldn't trust without questions. It is a trust with questions. <laughs> she countered. She wanted it to be only the two of them. The rest of the world locked out, forgotten. Framing his face with her hands. Here his mouth down hers. She expected fire, aggression, but his lips were soft and sweet. Confused, moved, Maggie drew back and stared at him. The eyes that fascinated her from the beginning held her as a second's edge closer to a minute. She was lost in the mist and the smoke. Without a word, he brought her close again. With his eyes on her, she lightly traced the shape of her face with a fingertip. This, he discovered, was the only face he ever needed to see again. Lightly, he outlined the shape of her lips. These, he knew, were the only lips he'd ever need to taste. With gentleness, he'd shown to no other lover he laid her back. This was the only body he ever wanted to possess. Tenderness left her stunned. Weak, his mouth lingering on hers, with such potency against the long made her bones looking fine. The grass was cool beneath her, the sun warm, swimming in emotion. Maggie closed her eyes while his lips traveled over her face. Had she ever been touched like this before? Has she ever, as if she were spun glass? His hands crept over her, as if she were the rarest of delicacies. His lips tasted, and she was helplessly caught in the slickering web that was more love than passion. Cliff, she might have told him. His lips hadn't captured hers with a sweetness that left her speechless. He never felt a stronger need to save her. It was as if each moment could be stretched to an hour as long as they lay together. The fragrant spring grass, the color in her cheeks were delicate. The sunlight combed through her hair. The look in her eyes was one no man could resist. Took him as clearly as words that she was his. He had only to claim, knowing it, he moved only, moved, he moved only more slowly and touched only more revertly. He undressed her while his kisses continued to hold her in the honey stripped prism of pleasure. When she was naked, he watched how the sun streamed over her, 
skin. Her large, expressive eyes were half closed. He could feel the pliancy in her body when, with a sigh, she lifted her hands to help him undress. The raw, primitive need she so often enticed him and didn't rise up. Instead, she drew out the softer emotions he normally held back. He wanted only to please her. Generally, he lowered, gently he lowered his mouth to her breast. He could hear her heartbeat crease in pace as he lingered there with his tongue tracing, his teeth nibbling, the tip through taunt so that when he drew it into his mouth, he heard her breast shudder out and catch again. Her hand moved through his hair as she lay back, saturated with sensation. Her body was like a treasure to be discovered and admired before possession. Slowly, almost leisurely, he took those moist kisses and gentle hands over it, stopping, lingering. When he felt her shuddering response, he knew she was steeped in that dim, heavy world where passion hovered around the edges and desire licked, licked tempently, like tiny tongues of fire. He wanted to keep her there for hours, or days, or years. Her thighs were slender and long, and pearl white. He loitered there, nudging them both closer, still closer to the edge, but not yet. She'd forgotten where she was, though her eyes were half open. She saw nothing but mists and dreams. She could feel, oh yes, she could feel each stroke of his hand. Each warm brush of lips, she could hear gentle murmurs, quiet sighs that might have been his or hers. There was no reason to ever feel or hear anything else. She was slowly, inevitably, being drawn through the sweetness into the heat. She began to crave it, felt the change in her body, heard the change in the breath that whispered through her lips. He swept his mouth further up her thigh, but still he didn't hurry. She would have all he had to give before they were finished. She arched captivated, catapulted with the sudden intensity of the pleasure. She crested quickly, shatteringly, with an abandonment of self and will. He wanted, demanded, just that, before she could settle, he drove her up again, till the madness once more began to creep into both of them. Cliff held it all, almost deliriously, the knowledge that he could give her what a woman might only dream of. Her body was alive with sensation, only he could bring to her. Her mind was swiftly with thoughts of only him. Knowing it, revealing in it, he slipped into her, taking her with a tenderness that lasted and lasted and lasted. End of chapter 10.